Rafer Guzman. Kristen Meinzer. 2015 is almost behind us. 2016 is right around the corner. Yes, indeed it is. I can't believe how fast this year went by. I know. I know we say that every year. And you know why? Because we're old. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a momentous year. I think it's going to be a momentous uh, 2016 as well. Yeah, it has been. It's been crazy. I mean, think of all the stuff that happened this year. Remember Donald Trump? I remember him. Remember him? I remember him well. It's as though he's still with us. (laughs) There was that movie that Mariah Carey did that was an adaptation of her song. Remember that? No. (laughs) Yes, you do. Which? No, which? No, it was the um, All I Want for Christmas, the movie. Uh, It was a TV movie or what? Yeah, why don't we review that? Yeah, why didn't we? Because neither of us have the Hallmark Channel. Oh, that's why. And I love that song. Yeah, I love that song too. I could listen to that over and over again. Yeah, all kinds of major events. Uh, Meek Mill versus Drake. (laughs) I mean, just doesn't stop. No, a lot of fun stuff happened this year. Also, in our personal lives, I know that you had a special moment this year. I did. I I joined the movie night committee at my uh, children's school. I'm I'm now a programmer. That's so cool. Yeah. They're we, lucky to have you. Yeah. We it's prog- amazing you weren't already on that program. We programmed a couple of hits and uh, and one miss that did not go over very well. We did uh, The Muppets Christmas Carol. Kids did not like that. Really? Oh, my God. They rioted. I'm surprised. Yeah. It I was like that was the, just an international sensation for kids no, of all ages. It was like a combination of the of the screenings of uh, Rock Around the Clock and The Warriors. The kids just <laughs> ripping up the seats. They went nuts. It was terrible. I feel bad about that because I love the Muppets. The kids didn't buy it. Oh, God. And you? What did you do? Oh, I did lots of fun things this year. One of the big things I did, though, was the Gettysburg trip I took earlier this year. Ah, yes. Yes. I got to stay at the Inn at Lincoln Square, and I got to go to the battleground sites, did the whole thing. And I happened to do it during the anniversary year, the 150th anniversary of the end of the Civil War. So being a major... uh, a Lincoln lover, if you will. Yes, you as are. A, as a Lincoln lover, it was a pretty special trip for me. Well, we've got a uh, a fairly momentous podcast to do as well. We'll tell you why a little later. Uh, but first, what we're going to do is go into our top 10. We're going to, Kristen and I are both going to choose our top 10 films. We'll see how much crossover, if any, there is on our lists. Uh, before we do that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Krista Mines, our culture producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Date. One, two, three, four. You happy? I'm happy, too. Now, Rafer, you and I reviewed hundreds of movies this past year. As always. And we each chose only... 10 movies apiece from 2015 as our best movies. Rafer, let's begin with your list. And is it in any particular order? Or? Uh, I, I won't, I'll just sort of go generally from the bottom up. And uh, I don't think you have really organized your top 10 necessarily in, in order, except I do know that you've got a top pick. I, I know you've yes. got a number one. Yes. So let's just sort of go, uh, we'll kind of, we'll mix it up a little bit and we'll see, uh, we'll see if we have any that match. Um, I'll just start with mine. A movie that we did not review on this podcast that I did not review in Newsday um, and did not get that much traction at all uh, out at the box office. But it's a movie called The Tribe, a Ukrainian drama um, about a kid who arrives in a new high school and he falls in with a criminal gang. And uh, these guys uh, do all kinds of sort of shady dealings on the sides. They're high school students. They actually even pimp out some of their female uh, classmates to uh, a bunch of local truckers. 
So uh, fairly sordid uh, and odd uh, premise for a film. What makes it even odder is uh, not just that it's Ukrainian uh, and not just that all the actors are non-professional actors, but they are all actually deaf. And so the entire film has no spoken language whatsoever, no subtitles, no music, and almost no editing. Everything you see on the screen takes place in real time, whether it's people fighting or people having sex or whatever it is they're doing, it takes place in real time. Can't play you a clip because it wouldn't really sound like anything, but I thought The Tribe was just an amazing, amazing piece of filmmaking that really pulled me in, and I would recommend it to anyone if you can find it out there. Mm, well, I remember it got a lot of buzz at Tribeca this year. And, yes. And I was planning on seeing it and did not make it, but now I'll definitely have to see it, Rafer. And you? All right. So as you were saying, I'm going to do this in kind of a random order. No that's, specific order. That's fine. All right. The first movie on my list is Joy, which we just talked about last week. It's kind of a cluster fudge, as David O. Russell <laughs> movies frequently are. Yes. There are too many things happening. None of the characters seem nailed down initially. At certain points, you might feel as though you're losing your mind because everything is just kind of a mess. But the main character, Joy, the creator of the Miracle Mop, loosely based on the real story of Joy Mangano, real creator of the Miracle Mop, she really perseveres. She makes her invention a success. She self-promotes. She gets out there dealing with people who are trying to pull one over on her, including the contractors who are actually making the mops, different people on the distribution side, even her own family. She succeeds, and you can't help but cheer and be 100% on her side. I really love Joy. You said to me that David Selznick, the son of immigrants, married Jennifer Jones, an all-American girl from Oklahoma, because in America... All races and all classes can meet and make whatever opportunities they can. And that is what you feel when you reach into people's homes with what you sell. You said that. Rafer, how about you? What's next on your list? All right, next on my list, uh, an animated film from Studio Ghibli, uh, the Japanese animation powerhouse. Not a studio that I necessarily like no, all that much. you don't usually like them, Rafer. Uh-uh, I don't always, but this one really grabbed me. It's called When Marnie Was There. It's about a preteen girl named Anna who goes to live with some relatives in the country. She's an adopted girl, but she goes to live with a couple of relatives and uh, begins to think that maybe there's some secret to her lineage, maybe to her real parents, to someone in her biological family. She meets a blonde, pretty, very ethereal girl named Marnie who seems to live in this abandoned mansion across the way, and they strike up a relationship. Here's a clip. In this world, there's an invisible magic circle. There's an inside and an outside. And I'm outside. I saw this movie in Japanese, in the Japanese language um, version, and it's now available in English language with uh, Haley Steinfeld. And um, I just thought this was such an amazing, amazing film, so beautifully animated and very unlike a lot of the Ghibli stuff that usually comes out. It's not a fantasy. Um, it's more of like one of their dramas, but it's really like a gothic British Japanese anime <laughs> ghost story. It's like Wuthering Heights or something with a little bit of Hitchcock thrown in there. I think the title when Marnie was there is kind of no accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this film. Again, not one that got a lot of traction at the box office, but... Um, If you can find it, it is on VOD now. I think it's beautiful. I don't quite know who it's for. It's a little slow, a little adult, and yet it's animated. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for your kids. But if you're an animation fan or just a a fan of a good sort of creepy, dramatic ghost story, this is your movie. Mm. 
Well, my next pick, and I want to just put a reminder out here to listeners, listeners who've heard us every year when we do our best of lists, they all know about me that I'm picking the best movies based on how much I enjoyed them, how much they tugged at my heart. Yes. Not necessarily how awards worthy they were. Sure. Because a lot of the movies I pick are really not about awards. They're really just about how much they affected me. And that's especially true of this next one, which Rafer, I know you didn't enjoy as much as I did. Trainwreck starring Amy Schumer. Nope, I did not. Yes, you thought it was a mess and you thought it was too long, but I thought it had a lot of heart. I slept at the doctor's place last night. Oh my God, because you were like blackout drunk? No, that's the thing. I, I was dead sober. I had like two drinks, three max, four now that I'm tallying, but it was like yeah, I okay, was sober. So you, so you barely drank because you're on antibiotics or something? You're. Oh my God. He's calling. Why would he call? You guys just had sex. It's probably a mistake. It's, yeah. it's a mistake. Amy Schumer is just terrific in this. She does this great job of showing not the perfect pretty romantic comedy girl. The perfect pretty romantic comedy girl, her worst trait is usually that she trips up the stairs. Yeah, she's clumsy, right. Or, exactly. or maybe she orders too much Chinese takeaway. <laughs> but no, she really is much more of a mess than all that. And it's nice to see that version of a human out there. And it's nice to see her stumbling and creating her own problems that are problems that a lot of us create for ourselves. And I cannot help it. I cried like a baby from the last... I don't know. For for about 10 minutes. Really? You, know? you yes, cried I, in Trainwreck? I just cried during the last 10 minutes of this movie. I could not stop myself. I'll be darned. Well, speaking of awards, she is up for a Golden Globe, Amy Schumer. So you never know in the, the best comedy musical uh, category. So that could happen. Woohoo! Go Amy Schumer. I know you're pulling for her. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, my next pick, another animated film, Anomalisa by Charlie Kaufman. How and... many are there going to be of these, Rafer? Well, I can't. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> Maybe it's the last one. Um, so Anomalisa by Charlie Kaufman and a young director that people will probably not know named Duke Johnson. This is a stop motion animated film, rated R, drama, very explicit sexually, I would say. It's about a an author named Michael Stone who comes to Cleveland on a book tour and falls for a naive fan. And uh, he begins to feel that perhaps he loves her. Um, one thing he likes about her is her voice, uh, which is by Jennifer Jason Lee, And it stands out to him because all other voices in his world sound exactly the same. He cannot distinguish between anyone else's voice. Do you talk during sex? God, I don't know. It's been a long time. Do you want me to or not? I could do either. If you could. Or just, you know, make some noises. Noises? Like moaning or something. Oh, okay. I could do that. Uh... That's nice. Does this feel okay? Yes, sorry. I'm just um, a little shy. Oh, it's fine. Interesting. That's David Thewlis, the great David Thewlis, British actor, playing Michael Stone. As I said, Jennifer Jason Lee playing Lisa, who becomes Anomalisa in the film. And Tom Noonan, an actor that uh, people might remember from many years ago, Manhunter, a film called Manhunter. It was the first Hannibal Lecter film. He played Hannibal oh, Lecter. Oh, yes, yes. 86. It's going back quite a ways to 1986. That's Tom Noonan. He plays everybody else in the film. Every single man, woman, child, every background noise, every movie that plays on the television, every single other voice in the film is Tom Noonan. 
I thought this film was so haunting and so interesting and such a strange piece of work. I'm not normally a Charlie Kaufman fan, but I think this has all the best stuff that you usually find in a Kaufman film and none of the flaws. 90 minutes, short, to the point, uh, gets its point across very well, and I found it very moving and very haunting. And I just, I love this movie. Uh, Again, stop-motion R-rated animated film. Who is it for? (laughs) Who's going to go see that movie? I don't know, but I was a huge fan. Wow. That sounds terrific. It is. It's great. I I actually really want to see that. I should say that's out now in limited release and opens wide on January 22nd. Well, my next pick is about a certain Sesame Street character, Big Bird. Yes. The film is called I Am Big Bird, colon, The Carol Spinney Story. It's all about this man who's been playing Big Bird from the get-go, and he also interestingly, plays Oscar the Grouch. So yes. He, pay, he plays arguably the happiest and the grumpiest character in the Sesame Street right. universe. <laughs> Big Bird, at first he was a very goofy guy, kind of a country yokel. You're not a bird. I'm a bird. Birds are big. And I said, you know something? I think maybe he should be a kid. He just happens to be a big kid. The producers agreed. Oh, hello. Big Bird, why are you doing that? Just because. The scripts suddenly were all Big Bird and Oscar, and they were terrific. I couldn't even imagine how I could even have thought about leaving such an opportunity. And then I really got into it. In the second year, I began to sail. You'll learn all about how he developed these characters, what they were like from the beginning, what they've evolved to become. And in addition to that, you also learn about who he is as a person, what his relationship was with Jim Henson how he fell in love with his wife and how his wife came to be a wonderful stepmother to his children. It's just sweet, and he's so old, you know that he's not going to be around forever, and your heart kind of breaks for the fact that I need to enjoy him while he's here because he won't be around much longer. So I loved I Am Big Bird. My next film is not heartwarming or sweet in any way. It's The Stanford Prison Experiment, a film that I just loved. It's based on the real-life experiment by Dr. Philip Zimbardo, where he basically took a bunch of Stanford students, uh, locked them up in a makeshift prison, made some of them be the guards, made some of them be the prisoners, and then watched as utter chaos ensued. Here's a clip. This experiment will be an extension of my research into the effects prisons can have on human behavior. Being that it's summer and the school is almost empty, we should have near complete privacy for this study. And as you'll soon see, we have cleared out some of the teachers' offices and converted them into prison cells. And the hallway will serve as the prison yard. But remember, just as you were watching the prisoners, my graduate staff and I will be watching you. Now, Rafer, I also loved this movie. I found it incredibly fascinating. It just barely didn't make my list, actually. So I can see why it made yours. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I I remember that you liked it. Um, I just thought this was so well handled um, and such a fascinating look at uh, personality, at human nature, uh, at the kind of malleability of who we are as people. And you've got this fantastic cast playing all the Stanford students, uh, Thomas Mann, Ezra Miller, uh, Ty Sheridan. Billy Crudup plays uh, Philip Zimbardo. I just thought it was so much fun, so gripping and really interesting. And just a great dramatization of this experiment that I think kind of haunts us still to this day and says a lot about who we are that we don't necessarily want to face up to all the time. So I love this movie. Mm. 
My next movie is also based on real events, but not an experiment, a success story. Straight out of Compton, the story of NWA. Okay. I loved this movie, which is all about NWA in the 1980s, how they rose to fame, and what went wrong as they became more and more successful and began to splinter amongst themselves. I have to take my hat off to O'Shea Jackson Jr. He is playing his dad in the movie, Ice He's Cube, great. and he is terrific. Jason Mitchell as Easy e so troubled, also so great. psychotic, so terrific. And Paul Giamatti, he is terrific too as uh, their manager yes. slash uh, undermining slippery man in their life. <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, officer, I'm sorry. What is going sir, on out Can you stay right there, please? We're trying to check these bangers, right. make sure they're clean. All right, I'm sorry. These are not bangers, okay? These, um, these are artists. Excuse me, artists? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. What kind of artists? Rappers, and they're working with me in the studio right now. Well, see, rap is not an art. And I'm sorry, who are you? I'm the manager. Well, you're wasting your time, Mr. Manager. You gotta be kidding me. You're wasting your time? Really? These, these clients of yours, these yeah. rappers, yeah. they look like gang members. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? Ow, ow, ow. But that's police harassment. You said you're a manager, right? Yeah. Not a lawyer. Does that matter? You cannot come down here and harass these guys because they're black. Overall, this goes against a lot of things I usually enjoy in a movie. There's some misogyny. The movie is too long. It is too long. <laughs> it's a biopic, which you and I usually do not like. And, and it's all dudes for the most part. And yep. there are so many problems with this. You would think I wouldn't like it, but overall, it just won me over. The characters were so fun to watch. And to see them succeed feels great. To watch them fall apart hurts. And then afterward, I just listened nonstop to NWA for a week. Oh, the album's unstoppable. That so first good. album is oh, just yeah. incredible. Absolutely. Uh, that movie was very close on my uh, on my top 10, too. That's a very, very gripping movie. I was I was really amazed at um, how much I liked that film as well. Oh, me too. I went in with low expectations and went out singing. Here's a, a movie that you probably uh, don't agree with me at all about, Kristen. It's In the Heart of the Sea. Um <laughs> I, I I just got to tell you, I just really dug that movie. I know you did because you, know, you are secretly a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> that's kind of true. Uh, and it really is that kind of film. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I would take my nine-year-old to it, but it really is kind of a guy's movie. It's the movie by Ron Howard uh, based on the events around the whaling ship Essex, which was one of the inspirations for Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, Thor, stars as Owen Chase, the first mate who's on this doomed ship. Here's a clip. Never seen a whale do that. Mr. Lawrence, take the wheel. Mr. Ramsel, you were the other end of the line to the foremast. I sir. As I live and breathe, he's mine. This is not, uh, I would say, anything new and certainly not anything original necessarily, but I just thought this was such fun, great, old-fashioned Hollywood filmmaking that told its story really well, Beautiful script. Ben Wishaw, small role as Herman Melville, uh, the great Brendan Gleeson also in the film. Um, well acted, really enjoyable, looks spectacular. I thought it wrapped itself up neatly in a bow at the end in a way that, for some strange reason, I just loved. And uh, I, I just I got a real kick out of the film. It hasn't been a huge success, but I really enjoyed it. You know the way it hasn't been a big success? Why? it's just a little too fun. It's just a little too Disney. It's a little too tidy. Yeah. It feels a little bit too much like... Swiss Family Robinson when the rest of us want it to be more Donner Party. You know, Swiss Family Robinson the, with the cannibalism. The matter is that it's a very gritty story, and I needed that one to be grittier. But I, I know you love that one, Rafer. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> I liked another movie that I have a feeling you don't think was gritty enough, The Martian. No, now, well, yeah. <laughs> the 
look on your face. Right Best now. musical or comedy at the Golden Globes this year. But okay, go ahead. In this film, Matt Damon plays astronaut Mark, who is a botanist who's accidentally left on Mars by his fellow crew members who think that he's dead. Oh, but he is not dead. And he's got to find a way to survive, including how do you grow food on Mars? How do you get from one end of Mars to the other when you don't have anything to make your vehicle run? Let's do the math. Our service mission here was supposed to last 31 souls. For redundancy, they sent 68 souls worth of food. That's for six people. So for just me, that's going to last 300 souls, which I figure I can stretch to 400 if I ration. So I got to figure out a way to grow three years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows. Luckily, I'm a botanist. Mars will come to fear my botany powers. He has to do all sorts of hacking into the systems of food, into vehicles, into energy making, and he has to get back to Earth. And boy, is it fun to watch him. And I know you were thinking, oh, this is too happy. It's not gritty enough. He's always in a good mood. There's no story to it. The story is called survival. That's not a story. Man against nature. That's not a story. Don't you remember learning in school? Man against man, man <laughs> against himself, man against nature. This is option number three, and it is doing it all the way, and that is on my top ten list. Huge box office success, that movie. And I think uh, the reason it has been voted, uh, nominated for Best Musical and Comedy at the Golden Globes is because it will win. That is my guess. You think so? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, okay, so next up for me is the movie about Amy Winehouse, just called Amy. Uh, oh, yeah. You loved that. I really did. Uh, Asif Kapadia, the director, uh, puts it together using no uh, talking head uh, framed interviews. Uh, it's all dialogue over footage, uh, news footage, interview footage from you know her past. Um, I thought it worked wonders, and I think it's a really heartbreaking story about Amy Winehouse and how she was kind of... I don't know. Uh, maybe you could say doomed from the start. Maybe you could say uh, preyed upon by the media. We'd recorded quite a few demo recordings, and I started to talk about whether she'd ever consider writing. She said she's not sure about writing songs, but she's written a lot of poems. She knew full well she'd been writing songs, but they were very personal songs. I think the film does a great job of showing all these different things that came to bear on her life. And unlike a lot of documentaries, I think it does a good job of not letting her off the hook. I think she shares responsibility in all of that. And uh, I found it very sobering, very heartbreaking and very moving, that film. And I I just, I I loved that movie. Mm. Well, the next item on my list is a little bit happier. One of the happier movies of the year and one of the best made teen romantic comedies I've seen in years. Oh, the Duff. The Duff. The Duff. We both love The Duff, Rafer. I loved The Duff. Oh, so great. This is paying tribute in so many ways to the John Hughes movies that we loved when we were growing up. Doing a lot to modernize it all, though. Much snappier pace. Great references to today's pop culture, to the kinds of things that kids nowadays have to deal with, include cyberbullying, including yep. divorced moms who are starting new careers. All the things that you want to modernize the story without feeling... Cloying. I'm tired of being the approachable one. I want to be the dateable one. You asking me for dating advice today? Of all days, are you kidding me? Look, 
I have a crush on this boy. His name's Toby Tucker. Maybe you've heard of him. Well, I can't seem to talk to him without making a total ass of myself, okay? And you never seem to have this problem. Don't you hate me? I'm glad you asked. Yes, I do. But only because you're an idiot. Can we just, can we just cool off for a second? Here's my offer. I will make sure you pass science if you help me with this. I mean, you got the easy part. You can pass science in your sleep. I have to reverse duff you. Are you wearing pajamas? So you'll do it? Yeah. The main character, Bianca, played by Mae Whitman, many people may know best as Michael Sarah's girlfriend on Arrested Development. Yes. But she's done a lot of other things, and she's so good in this movie as the person who is so likable and in the beginning doesn't really seem to care what people think about her and yet is happy despite that. And then she turns into the person who starts caring quite a bit about what people think. And you see her evolving and grappling with what it feels like to be judged by others, to be judging herself, and then to find happiness despite all of that. She's such a great character, and you're just so happy when things go her way in the end. So the Duff is definitely at the top of my list. Next up for me would be uh, uh, sort of the opposite of the Duff. It's uh, a movie by Alejandro Iñárritu. It's The Revenant with DiCaprio playing Hugh Glass, the real-life frontiersman Hugh Glass, who gets mauled by a bear and crawls his way back to civilization across the Dakotas. Eating organ meat. Eating raw meat (laughs) just about every step of the way. Here's a clip. All I had was our boy, and he took him from me, you understand? He's afraid. He knows how far I came to find him. My throat has a giant hole in it. I loved Loved, loved this movie. This, um, this is another very manly movie. I had a lot of macho. I had a lot of macho movies on my list. I have to say, um, and this is really amongst the the machoest of them. Um, yeah, it, it really is a lot of uh, a lot of screaming and howling and pain. Not uh, not not heavy on dialogue, but you've got a great cast. Not just DiCaprio, who really is fantastic in this movie, but also Tom Hardy as the villain. Uh, Will Poulter is part of uh, Glass's team, and uh, the great Donald Gleason. Oh God, I love him. He's great in this movie too. Um, But really, this is a filmmaker's movie, and it's the camera work and these amazing action scenes that go on for not just minutes, but what seem like miles across open terrain, uh, all done in a single take. There's one great one uh, that I don't think is spoiling anything to say that just goes straight off a cliff. Like you just literally fly off a cliff. And it's just fantastic. And even though you and I both agree that the film is a little bit on the long side and a tad repetitive, there is a lot of organ meat, as you say. Uh, (laughs) This was still very high up on my top 10, The Revenant. I loved it. Well, technically, I will take my hat off to it. It was technically probably the best film of the year. But as you know, I didn't love it as much as you did. No, I know. The next movie I loved, I think you liked quite a bit, though, Spy. I love Melissa Spy. McCarthy. Yes, we love Melissa McCarthy. I found out a fun fact about this movie this week. Oh, maybe it's not a fun fact. It's kind of a sad fact. Oh, so a lot of the movies that are made in Hollywood, they get a lot of distribution if they are action movies, primarily with white men with maybe one Asian friend in them. Sure, and they get a lot of distribution in Asia. One movie that didn't get a lot of distribution overseas was Spy. Interesting. Partly because she's a woman, but primarily because she's an overweight woman. Yeah, I'm not which surprised. Which I was very fascinated with. I, I never would have thought that her appearance would have hurt this movie because the writing is great. The characters are terrific. Jason Statham makes a star turn. Oh, God, he's good. As a comedy genius in this movie. And so against type. You would never think Jason Statham. Oh, I love his comedy, but he's great. Oh, this. he's great. Mother Susan. 
You're a warrior. You're a weapon. Hey, there's no sweat. Looks like you're sweating to me. Jesus! What are you doing in my room? Well, how did I get into this shitbox hotel room? Because I'm a real spy. I thought you quit. We have to stop the sale of a nuclear bomb. And they send in someone who looks like Santa Claus's f***ing wife. Uh, did you forget? I am undercover. Because you're not supposed to be here. You really think you're ready for the field? I once used defibrillators on myself. I put shards of glass on my f***ing eye. I've jumped from a high-rise building using only a raincoat as a parachute and broke both legs upon landing. And I still had to pretend I was in a f***ing Cirque du Soleil show. I don't know that that's possible. I mean, medically. And Melissa McCarthy, again, just wonderful. And the movie does not mock her. It no. just lets her be a really smart action star. That's right. And I'm so excited to see what else happens in this franchise. Hopefully the sequels will be just as good. Okay, I chose a movie up high in my top ten that's very, very film critic-y. I just have to admit it. It's Clouds of Sils Maria. Ah, uh, yes. Olivia Assayas uh, directed this. It's uh, Juliette Binoche stars as an actress who is aging. She once played the young woman in a play that kind of made her a star, and now she's of a certain age, and she's grappling with the idea of playing the older woman in that same play, and she's not sure she wants to do it. Kristen Stewart plays her assistant who's trying to convince her Here's a clip. Well, I didn't know you at 18, but I'm almost positive Joanne's a lot worse. How can you be so sure? Have you Googled her? Well, I just looked at the pictures. Well, you should dig a little deeper. Won't take you long to find all the naked photos, the latest updates on her exploits. Such as her breakup, Andrew Beltram. Any idea who that is? I don't know. What world do you live in? He's like, he's the biggest star. Tess who? Preteens? Oh. Hey, there are a shit ton of them, so be careful. Now, Rafer, I agree with you. This movie's very good. And we even talked with Kristen Stewart on the podcast. Yes. Listeners, if you ever want to go back to earlier this year and hear that, we do have that in our archives. So, Rafer, why did you love this movie? I just found this film to be very, very unique in terms of the way it approached modern culture. And it really kind of drops you into the modern world in this way that um, I don't know how to explain it. it it's odd to feel that you've been put into a, a, a world that you, that you live in, and yet you feel in this film kind of disjointed and com- discombobulated and conflicted the way you do out in the real world. There's so much culture and information and all these problems, all these perceptions. Uh, you can't make heads or tails of things. Your, your place in the world is changing all the time. And I felt that this film really captured that somehow, even though you could say it's one of these movies about movies that tends to be a little navel-gazing here and there. But somehow for me, it all worked, and it just made me feel like I was part of the world and that the filmmaker was telling me something about the world at the same time. And I just found that fascinating. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm speaking in abstractions, but like I, <laughs> like I say, very film critic of me. <laughs> well, the next film on my list, very, very high up, is Grandma, starring Lily Tomlin. You liked Grandma that much. I loved Grandma. I know you didn't love Grandma like no. I loved Grandma, but I loved Grandma. And, you know, I know it's not a perfect film, 
but I thought it was very touching. I thought that it was telling a great story. I felt that it had a great feminist perspective. It's about Lily Tomlin, a woman whose granddaughter kind of comes to her out of the blue and says, I need help to pay for an abortion. And grandma comes to the rescue. And along the way, now, this is where I think a lot of people criticize it. It seems very formulaic. It's like, oh, we're going to make a bunch of stops to all of grandma's friends, learn right. about grandma's past, and learn how grandma became the person that you come to when you need an abortion. Why didn't you use a condom? Or for humanity's sake, get a vasectomy. What? What did she just say? She didn't say anything, okay? Look, she said it wasn't her time. Oh, yeah. Her time? What are you, a moron? What are you, both morons? Don't they teach kids sex ed anymore? And so we visit all those stops along the way. And yes, we do learn about all those people. We do learn a little bit more about the granddaughter. But this movie isn't about the granddaughter. It's really about Lily Tomlin as the yeah. grandma. And she's so wonderful. She's so rough around the edges. But of course, she has a heart of gold. She's the grandma that all of us wish we had or the grandma we would like to become someday. And I just have to take my hat off to them for really choosing to make it both heartfelt and kind and talk about abortion openly, because I think a lot of films, a lot of TV shows, are afraid that the two have to be in separate categories. Right. Being kind, loving, decent, and responsible, and having an abortion are so frequently forced into separate arenas. And this is a movie that really showcases both of those things belong in the same place a lot of the time. So I really loved Grandma. Now, finally, this is not the last movie we'll talk about, but finally you and I have agreed. Yes, we, I can't we, believe we only agree on one movie. We've, we've found the one film that we both agree upon. And I have to say, I'm really surprised that you chose this as well as I did. It's Mad Max Fury Road. I'm surprised too. Kristen, tell me why you like this movie so much. Well, you know, I went into this really skeptical. And yep. you know also that during the first 20 minutes or so of the movie, I was actually terrified and upset because... The apocalyptic future it shows, those silver, like, <laughs> guys with the... war the, boys. <laughs> they're very scary. They just are, like, psychotic skinheads. And I was totally scared of them during the first 20 minutes or so of the movie. Who knew Nicholas Holt could be so scary? I was terrified. I love him usually. Yeah. I really love him usually, but I thought the movie was very scary, unbelievably violent, so apocalyptic. But once things got going beyond the initial terror that I felt, and we actually got more into the story, I got sucked right in. And... Charlize Theron is a big part of why I got sucked in so much. She's so strong. She's so fierce. She is, she's just a great leader. She's very protective. Plus, on top of that, it's just a visually a stunning yes. movie. How do you know this place even exists? I was born there. So why'd you leave? I didn't. I was taken as a child. Stolen. My number one criticism of the movie is actually that the Mad Max name's even in here. It should just be called Furiosa. Yeah, it should. Yeah, uh, Imperator Furiosa, which is Charlize Theron's name in the film. You're right. It should have been called Mad Maxine. The only reason that, <laughs> that uh, Tom Hardy is in it is to kind of provide a little through line to the franchise. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Mad Max franchise, especially uh, The Road Warrior, which I think is one of the best films ever made. And you can tell George Miller, the creator of the franchise, just wanted to outdo himself, and by God, he did. It's just an amazing-looking film. It's just nonstop action. It just gets weirder and crazier and more elaborate and more insane as it goes on. And I just love the fact that George Miller is 71 years old, and I feel like 
He made this film and just thought, I just got no time for second-guessing myself at all. If I got a good idea, it's going in there. And he just puts it in there whole hog, and I think it works tremendously. So I'm glad we both agree on that. Oh, finally. But that's the only thing we agree on. That's true. Because Our number ones. Yeah. And my number one movie of the year, I know you didn't think that much of. Tell me. Room. That's your number one. Room is my number one. I'll be darned. Okay. I was so affected by this movie. I was so touched. Oh, I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. I can't even tell you what percentage of the movie I was sobbing during. Probably like <laughs> between 50 and 70% of the movie I was sobbing. I can sobbing. see that. I can see that, Kristen. Yes. And um, a lot of that's because Brie Larson is so terrific as the mom. She is really good. Jacob Tremblay as Jack, her son. They are trapped alone in a room together, and they've created their own language around how they associate themselves with the room. They kind of make some things alive. They refer to things without the articles. So they call the space room. They don't say the room. They say, hello, toilet. How are you today? Hello, stove. And they have this whole world and these rules they live in. And he doesn't realize that the reason they are in this room, which is actually a shed, they're cemented into. Yeah. The reason they're there is because they're being held prisoner and that Ma was kidnapped when she was quite a bit younger. And they hopefully can find a way out together. Truck. Wiggle out. Jump. Run. Somebody. I'm scared. I know. I'm going to be there in your head talking to you the whole time. Truck. It's such a beautiful, scary story. In some ways, it's like a horror story. In some ways, it's like a rebirth story. Yeah. In some ways, it's a language story. It's a family story. And oh, boy, did I cry during this. I thought it was unlike anything else I'd ever seen. Just like nothing else. I loved Room. Well... I did quite a bit of crying during my number one film as well, I have to say. I chose for my number one, Inside Out, the Disney oh, Pixar yeah. film. You did love that. I just loved it. I just could not believe that an animated film could do something so uh, complicated and so uh, emotionally gripping. Um, as people probably know by now, uh, it all takes place in the head of a teen girl, preteen girl, named Riley. She's moved to a new city, San Francisco, and she's having a hard time. And the emotions in her head are literally running amok. There's Joy and Sadness who essentially go missing. They get lost out of her control center in her head, and they've got to make it back before fear, anger, and disgust begin to dominate Riley's personality. Here's a clip. You know what I've realized? Riley hasn't had lunch, remember? Hey, I saw a pizza place down the street. Maybe we could try that. Pizza sounds delicious. Pizza? pizza. Yes, pizza. <laughs> That's good. What the heck is Who that? Who puts broccoli on pizza? That's it. I'm done. Congratulations, San Francisco. You've ruined pizza. I don't know what to say about this film except that it was just so brilliantly conceived and such an interesting idea and done in this great, accessible, fun, imaginative way um, it's a little bit like, I don't know what, the Phantom Tollbooth and, and Alice in Wonderland, but it all takes place inside someone's head. Um, and it really shows you how what's going on inside you affects the outside world and vice versa. And it explains the uses of all these emotions and why they help make us who we are. Uh, Amy Poehler plays Joy. Uh, Phyllis Smith, an actress I'm not familiar with, she plays Sadness. She's just wonderful. And uh, I just love this movie to death. Wow. 
that is our top 10 list each. We will be sure to publish those on moviedatepodcast.org. We'll also have the full list at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. But stay with us because after the break, we're going to be going through some listener mail. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. And this is Movie Date. And every week we receive a lot of wonderful mail from all of you out there. We just love hearing from you. Some of you call us at 5717movies, and some of you write to us at facebook.com slash Podcast. Of course, we don't read all of your mail out loud on air, but we do individually read each of your letters. And Rafer and I sometimes just smile and chat with each other about how much we love hearing from you. And this last week... We got a couple of letters that really touched us, and you'll find out why in just a moment. Rafer, what was the first letter we received? I'll set the stage here by saying that last week we had a trivia question about Star Wars, and one of our listeners, Dan Martinez, wrote in with this exquisitely produced audio file explaining his trivia answer. It was really beautiful, so we played that for you. And uh, then we got this uh, piece of mail from a woman named Monica. Last year, I answered your trivia question to say that Spaceballs was the first movie I ever saw in theaters and told you how my Plus One's first movie was the original Star Wars. We went to see The Force Awakens this morning, and as we were driving home, he got a little teary and said, this is the Star Wars movie I've been waiting for since puberty. That afternoon, we were driving to a gathering with my family and listening to the latest movie date episode on the drive. You guys chose his trivia answer, which made him as close to giddy as I have ever seen him. After the episode ended, he turned to me and said, this has been a perfect day. We love you guys. Well, Monica, thank you so much. And I don't know what quite happened here, but we got another piece of email as well. This is actually from Dan. And reading his email and reading your email, we can't help but think that you two are dating each other. (laughs) He writes, dear Kristen and Rafer, I will never be able to properly thank you for not just picking my answer to last week's trivia question, but accompanying it with incredibly kind words in the process. Your timing, from my perspective, could simply not have been better. Earlier in the day, my better half and I attended The Force Awakens, so I was already in a fairly good mood after seeing the first decent Star Wars movie in a third of a century. Then, on our way to a family holiday gathering, we listened to this week's episode of the podcast, pausing intermittently to compare our notes on the movies and directors being discussed. Realizing at the end that you'd picked my answer made me grin. Hearing the comments with which you followed it made me positively giddy. You turned what was already a pretty good day into one that was just about perfect. Thank you, and happy holidays. Dan, that, that made me so happy. That's wonderful. <laughs> and how weird is it if Monica and Dan are not dating? <laughs> I, I don't know. The, Dan, did you did you sell your watch fob to buy <laughs> to buy her hair barrettes? Oh my gosh, did she cut her hair and sell her hair to buy you that watch fob? Oh, oh. oh well, we love you guys too. Thank you so much for writing in. And we get so many great letters, and I feel that we've gotten to know so many of our listeners over the years. And a lot of you have written in to wish us a happy new year and just to give us updates on your lives. We've had couples write in to say they're having a baby. We've had couples uh, call in to say that they're not together anymore. We've had all sorts of really interesting (laughs) letters and emails and phone calls over the years. And we just have to thank you so much for always putting yourself out there for us. We really, really wouldn't be who we are without you. So next up. 
trivia. Kristen, what was last week's trivia? All right. Well, last week we were talking about movies where a lot of bad things happen on the set. And that that was because we were talking about The Revenant. Yes. And The Revenant lost a lot of its cast members, a lot of its crew, due to tragedies, due to being fired, due to walking off the set. Yes. Because it was a horrible, horrible job. You know, eight <laughs> months swimming in ice cold waters, uh, eight months of having to actually be in real avalanches. It's art, goddammit. <laughs> eight months of actually having to eat raw organ meat. It's horrible. And a lot of tragedies happened on that set. A lot of medical interventions had to happen. And that got us to thinking about other tragic movie sets, ones where medical intervention were necessary. And we played a clip of one movie that has made a lot of people happy, but has also been the source of great tragedy for the people involved in the making of the film. Here's the clip. Well, 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 house guests, eh? <laughs> and who might you be? No, 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 now, don't tell me. Let's see, you're, uh, you're traveling in disguise. No, that's not right. I've, uh, you're, uh, you're going on a visit. No, I'm wrong. That's, uh, right away. You're, uh, you're running away. How did you guess? <laughs> Professor Marvel never guesses. He knows. <laughs> and a lot of people wrote and called in with the right answer, but we chose this one. From Hope, she says, I'm responding to the most recent trivia. The answer, of course, is The Wizard of Oz, my all-time favorite movie. When my kids were young, we'd watch it every year for my birthday. When they were teenagers, I made them watch it with me every year for my birthday. And for my 60th birthday, my husband rented a screening room, and we had a party during which we watched it. And yes, poor Buddy Ebsen and his unfortunate reaction to the silver makeup. Love the show. And Hope is talking about um, the Tin Man makeup that uh, Buddy Ebsen, the original Tin Man, had an allergic reaction to, and he wound up in the hospital and uh, was replaced by Ray Bolger. Yes, just one of the many tragedies on that set. The actress who played the witch, she had uh, burns all over her face and hands from... Uh, going down that trap door of fire. Yes. There were other problems on that set, too. <laughs> yes, it, was, it was not an easy set. So, Hope, thank you so much for writing in with the correct answer. We really appreciate it. Now, usually this is the part of the podcast where we would announce uh, this week's trivia, but there is no trivia this week because this is the last Movie Date podcast. Kristen, you and I, after five years, are signing off. This is our very last podcast. It is, and my heart is actually breaking just hearing you say that out loud. As is mine. Uh, You and I have had an excellent, excellent time. I want to say this has been the highlight of my week every week for the last five years. You and I started this uh, just kind of out of the blue. Uh, I had just started uh, becoming a contributor to The Takeaway on WNYC, and I suggested the idea of a podcast. It was Mark Efron, who was working here at the time, who put me together with you. And we started brainstorming all kinds of cockamamie ideas (laughs) until Mark Efron finally said, hey, you guys talk together pretty well. Why don't you guys do a movie podcast and we'll just call it Movie Date? And thus, this was born. And I just feel so lucky that I was able to be brought on with you, Rafer. This was really your idea first. And it's been one of the highlights of my life, not just every week, but one of the greatest things I can look at that um, I hope I, I can someday do something as great as this in my next life. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you, Rafer, and how much I thank you for your expertise and your friendship and everything that's made this podcast possible. Kristen, do you want to tell people where you're going and what you're going to be doing and where they can find you? I'm going to be going to Slate. I'm going to be overseeing a handful of podcasts there, which uh, if you want to know more about, you can follow me 
on one of my social media platforms, and you can keep abreast of everything I'm up to. My Facebook page is facebook.com slash Kristen Meinzer. And you can also follow me on Twitter, which is also Kristen Meinzer. Kristen, I'm going to miss the heck out of you. I'm going to miss the heck out of you, Rafer. My God, my heart is breaking. I'm not even kidding about that. Yeah, me too. And I'm going to miss our listeners. Thank you so much for keeping up with us and staying with us for all these years. It's been great. We've had a lot of fun. Kristen, you're going off to bigger and better things. What I do next, I don't know. I'll still be on The Takeaway. You can hear me there every Friday. I may have other things in the in the works, but uh, I'm not sure what they'll be at this point. Um, but so for now, uh, goodbye to 2015. Hello 2016, and uh, maybe we'll see you all in the new year. We hope so. We love you all. Thank you so much for listening over the last five years. What does this song mean? My whole life, I don't know what this song means. I mean, should old acquaintance be forgotten? Does that mean that we should forget old acquaintances? It doesn't mean that if we happen to forget them, we should remember them, which is not possible because we already forgot them. Well, maybe it just means that we should remember that we forgot them or something. <laughs> anyway, it's about old friends. <laughs>